Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. I spent two years thinking about one moment. He set me up. In our world, you always go back. He just left him there. That's what I can't forgive. That's my boy. Yo, T, I'm really happy you're home. Boys, we miss you, brother. It's time to celebrate. Call up some females. Do you know any pretty ones? You like them? Yo, mama. <laughs> what are you thinking, Toby? This could put him away for life. It's time we make him pay. But first, we're gonna need a fast car. Y'all ready? We're doing this.
This is McKeel Haggerty, and you are listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. So get out there and keep driving all those cool cars. to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google Tan, talk1340.com, and you can see me live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us and our 570 shows. If you go to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, the archive page, or NostalgicRadioandCars.com. Yeah. Hey, good evening, Tommy. How you doing? Good evening, Robert. I'm very well. Yourself? We are one week away from Monterey. And uh, we're all looking forward to that because we've been cooped up for way too long. But anyway, all right. So, uh, yeah, if you want to find out where all the car shows are in Floridia, definitely go to uh, flacarshows.com. Monterey Collector Car Week is next week. The week after that is the Woodward Dream Cruise and the Woodward Dream Show. Now, that takes place at the M1 Concourse. We're going to have a representative on from there soon. And uh, we talked about that earlier than this year. So that's going to be kind of cool. That's uh, at the racetrack up there, this uh, kind of like a private race track, track um, storage facility for collector cars. Now, they're building one over in Tampa. It's called the Enclave. We're going to have a representative on from them as well. And uh, so they're building actually kind of like a private, you know how you have a private golf course? Well, we have private race car tracks. And then they have basically shops on there. Or they're what you'd call giant, giant, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 and bigger square foot man caves where you can put your mobile home or motor home, your high-performance offshore racing boat, a slew of cars, pinball machines, musical instruments, anything else you're into, motorcycles, so on. So that's kind of like the coming trend. And uh, so, but this evening, we're going to have a couple of gentlemen on from uh, some of the major events going on in Monterey next week, which I can't wait to uh, be there. I generally go there every year. Been going there on and off, gosh, since the 80s. What did I do this weekend? Well, you know me. I got in a car and drove around a little bit, headed to kind of over in the uh, Orlando area a little bit. And, you know, it's, you still, there are still people out there with cars. We ran across, it was rough, too rough, but 69 GTO, or 68 GTO, rather. Uh, real four-speed car, don't know what motor was in it. Obviously a big V8, you know, 400 or something like that, four-barrel. Could have been more, could have been a Ram Air 3, could have been a Ram Air 4. There's no telling what it was, but it had a 10-bolt in it, so I'm going to guess it was probably just a basic 400, four-barrel with a four-speed and what used to be a hood tack. And uh, sitting beside that was a uh, 68 Camaro. I got pictures of it, but they're shameful. Yes, they're terrible. But at any rate, um, cars are still out there. I mean, you go to bring a trailer, which I go to bring a trailer a lot, just to look and see what's out there. Then there's uh, the Vanderbrink Auction. She's up in the Midwest. There's a couple other auction companies around the country that are what I would call private companies. But what they do is they go to actually on location. And there's a lot of people, a lot of car guys you know uh across the midwest that are kind of moving on to the to the big car collections in the sky so they're leaving behind some pretty cool stuff and um 
kind of makes you wonder, you know, there's a there's the generational shift is going on for one, you know, with the interest in cars. In fact, a gentleman called me up today and he had a uh, 1983 or four Cadillac Eldorado Brom, 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 with 13,000 original miles that his dad bought, uh, slightly used, I should say, pre-owned. Let's use the word pre-owned. That's always a kind of a polite way of saying used. And um, I buy used cars. Everybody else buys pre-owned cars because everything I have is used and abused. And, you know, what's left of it? But nonetheless, um, it is uh, sounds like a pretty stunning car. He was supposed to send me pictures of it. I'll check my phone here. I doubt I got those. But there are some just amazing cars out there. Now, with this generational shift going on, the guys that grew up in the, uh, I want to say, you know, that are 10, 15 years younger than me, they're the ones that are into, you know, the the kit, Pontiac Firebirds, you know, the, the C4 Corvettes, the third and fourth gen Camaros and Firebirds, um, the Buick Skylarks, uh, the Grand Nationals, which I think is probably the coolest car that came out of the 80s. And then, you know, if you're into luxury cars like this, you know, big Cadillac or not real big Cadillacs, front wheel drive, Eldorado. So when they started downsizing them a little bit. And then, of course, the Lincolns that did the same thing. Then the Mark 5s and or 6s. I can't keep track of Mark 6, Mark 7. Yeah, it would be Mark 6. And uh, because the Mark 5 was the big tank that they stopped in, I think, 79 and 80. I think they came out with the small one. But just a lot of cool stuff. But the thing is, is that the car, the price, there's a huge interest in cars, no matter what it is. Go out there and get yourself a cool car and have fun with it. I think Tommy's going to go ahead and, uh, oh, yeah, I wanted to tell you, last week I started telling you a little bit about this uh, Henry J that I went to appraise. Well, I finished up the appraisal and dropped it off today. And it's just a cool car. I mean, I went online, and, of course, there's some Henry Js out there, and I read up on the whole Henry J story, you know, and how the, how the Henry J came about. What I did not know is that they, they actually made some Henry Js in Japan. We set up a factory over there, Kaiser did, and they built some after the war. It was one of the first cars that was built in Japan after the war was the Henry J. It was an economy car. They built them in Israel alongside the uh, Kaiser Manhattan, which was the full-size luxury car, but had a different name, Carbello or something like that. They built them in Argentina. And uh, so, you know, I mean, what people don't realize is that the big three actually set up plants around the world. So there was cars being made in, you know, and uh, I'll say South Africa, there were some cars made. There was some cars built in, uh, obviously, in the, in the, in the um, Far East there in Japan. Um, there was plants in Australia. There was plants in South America, obviously Europe. So, uh, you know, it wasn't just made in America, American cars. You know, they went all over the place. You know, these companies are international, you know, and they had to kind of supply the market. And sometimes it was cheaper to build the vehicles there, build a plant, set the, build the vehicles there to the specs because their tastes with those people in these different countries was a little bit different than our tastes and our expectations here for cars in the United States, naturally. So that's something we'll get into soon. But anyways, Tommy, go ahead and fire up the stereo and uh, here's an English band, and I think it's called Stone the Crows. Is that the name of this one? Freedom Road. Um, I just thought it was kind of a neat co- song. I mean, I'm into kind of the obscure stuff, you know, the classic 60s, 70s psychedelic stuff, which I think is pretty groovy, man. And uh, this girl, the lead singer for this band, sounds a lot like a British version of uh, Janis Joplin, but uh, also with a lot of heart and soul in her song. So uh, you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio Cars Don't Touch That Dial. Tommy is going to fire up the stereo. Wow. What'd you find, the short version? <laughs> it's a long song? Huh. 
Is it really? Oh, there's a short version of that song. You must have found the wrong one. But hey, that happens. Hey, in the meantime, you're tuning into Nostalgia Opinion on Cars. You know, Tommy's going to go ahead and uh, let this play, and then we're going to come back with a commercial and then bring our guests on the line. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Nostalgic Radio and Cars, this is Jackie Stewart at Laguna Seca and with Rolex and I hope everybody enjoys what's going on here and of course the radio show. <laughs> We're back and you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. It's just time to introduce our first guest to the radio show this evening. He's been on a show before and I'm delighted to welcome back. This is Barry Tupke and he's the Director of Heritage Events and Public Relations for, I'm just going to say Laguna Seca. Did I? Am I okay with that, Barry? <laughs> First reference, please. <laughs> I'm going to say, yeah, there we go. Well, I have yeah. to say, look, I'm old school. You know, it's kind of like saying Sears Point or Sonoma Raceway, you know, but uh, Laguna Seca. So it's WeatherTech Raceway at Laguna Seca, right? That's what it is? Correct. That, that's it. That's it. Boy, that's nice. So how you doing? Fantastic. We are getting ready out here. I tell you, it's, uh, uh, we had our first spectator event uh, in July with uh, Moto America since September of 19. So it's been 20 some months since we've had people here to uh, experience the vintage cars and that we're going to be racing this weekend and next for the Rolex Modern Motorsports reunion. So give us an idea, give us a breakdown. So this, uh, the Moto thing that was last month, that was motorcycles, right? Yeah, that was motorcycles and uh, that was Moto America. Mm-hmm. And we had Arma, the vintage bikes, the following weekend. So we had spectators out, and, and it was so nice to see people out here and the energy level 
of having fans back at the racetrack during an event is um, so so nice to, to, to feel. You just you, it really adds so much flavor to the events. And we're looking forward to hosting people out here and in a safe way and, and have some fun and a little, back, little bit of normalcy with uh, some fantastic cars that we're going to be racing around the track. Okay, so the WeatherTech Raceway, um, in 2019, was it WeatherTech or was it still the old uh, regime? In 2019? WeatherTech, yeah. It was? Okay. So how's everything working with the new uh, the, the new people? And, I mean, of course, you know, the McNeil's, I think it is, they're, uh, they're, they're racing people. So they've got to have a lot of uh, passion and enthusiasm for the racetrack. Oh, they, they sure do. They, they uh, you know, Cooper McNeil runs the Ferrari Challenge and also IMSA, and he's just the nicest guy. You know, supportive. He'll do anything you want. Uh, you know, he's a heck of a driver too. And his father, David, uh, you know, is just a true supporter of the sport and of our area and our community. That um, couldn't ask for a better partner. You know, naming right. So tell us about how how does this week kick off now? There's something going on. Let's see, Thursday, Friday this week, right? And then the, and then the featured event is next week. But the featured car is also uh, Ford Ford Trans Am or Trans Am Racing, and I think the Ford Mustang in it. Yeah, it's the uh, Ford and Trans Am. It's the 55th anniversary of the Trans Am series. Okay, and um, you know it really dates back to 1969 with us uh, when the Trans Am series came to Laguna Seca back then and, and uh, you know, the you know the, the names that I look back at the, the the history, you know, George Fulmer, Parnelli Jones, Mark Donahue, Swede Savage, uh, Sam Posey, I mean just you know, incredible names in the history behind the, the Trans Am series that we wanted to honor it on the anniversary and, and Ford Motor Company has stepped up in a big way of of hosting some, some legendary drivers that are gonna be our co grand marshals. Uh, Parnelli Jones and George Palmer, so they'll be here on Saturday, uh, taking inter- interviews, autograph sessions, and just you know, really sharing their history uh, and their passion for the sport. That, that you know, back in the day of really going at it tooth and nail, and uh, you know, sharing with the fans who are coming in. Also, there's going to be I was reading there's going to be an IndyCar display too, or Formula One display, one of the, one of, an open wheel display. I'll say that just to be on the safe side. Yeah, we, we have the Masters Historic Formula One. Oh, Formula One. Okay, that's it. First time, yeah. And, but for the first time ever at the Rolex reunion, we're doing IndyCar Exhibition Lab. So we've got 20 uh, vintage IndyCars back from the, uh, uh, what is it? The 63 to 78 IndyCar. And Bobby Rahal's, you know, shipping in one of his cars. And, and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway sending two cars. And they'll not just be a static display. They'll be on track every day for exhibition laps. And we've not had them before, so we're kind of excited about adding a new dimension and a new element to the Rolex reunion that uh, and we want to keep it fresh. We all, always want to try to have new engaging you know, surprises for people. And, and In fact, we're going to debut the Ferris wheel, too, and uh, yeah, for family fun. The Ferris wheel? Interesting. Um, yeah, as it goes du- round and around, doesn't it? Yeah, it's going round and around. Okay, as director of heritage events and public relations, what all is your like uh, job description? What are your duties and functions now these days? Oh my gosh, it, 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 you know, take out the trash to uh, <laughs> everything in between. Um, okay. You know, I, I really I, managing the overall uh, Rolex reunion and the pre-reunion is, is the primary 
function of why I came back. I was with the track for you know ten years, and I left for uh, seven months. Went down to beautiful San Diego, and and uh, but still had a passion and a calling for you know, these historic cars and the people behind them. You know, the, the cars are great. Don't get me wrong, but the owners who like to share their history with people. They put the kids in the cars for the pictures. We have one group, the, the Ragtime Racers, the pre-1920 guys. They're going to have a whole, they're building a whole diorama in the back of a 1920s working garage, complete with spare parts and tools back in the day. You know, they'll be dressed in their proper attire, and they're going to be taking exhibition laps as well. But you know, these are, this, this, this was the birth of motor racing, and they're going to be sharing their stories with people and, and really putting on a show. Uh, you know, it's fun to see the cars on track. It's even more fun probably to walk down the paddock aisles and talk to the owners and touch the cars and you know, find out the individual stories because you know, there are so many stories here. One, one car that we have is a 1955 Ferrari 750 Monza, and it was the, the car that won the 1955 and 56 Double Beach Road Races before it closed in 56. And um, it was driven by Carroll Shelby in one year and Phil Hill the other. So here's the car that has just tremendous history on the track as well. And I think that, you know, stories like that are just, you, you can't, get anywhere, can't get anywhere else. You know, it's funny you mentioned Carroll Shelby and the, and the road races. It seems to me that if I was reading correctly, 1956 was the last year, but also Carroll Shelby was the winner that year, the last year. Am I correct on that? Yeah, Carol. Yeah, Carol Shelby won, and then and then the year before, Phil Hill drove that same car. The first, okay. Wow, that's just uh, just just to touch that car, just get the aura off it. You know, would be amazing. Yeah, exactly. And, and just you know, you you can take a walk down the aisle and look at the cars and see them on track, and that's great. But you know, really finding out the history of these cars is what kind of gives you the goosebumps of wow, this this. This was the car in the day. It's all authentic, period, correct. We don't we don't take clones or replicas in the in the reunion and you know very strict scrutineering rules. But um, you know, it, it's entertainment, and we want people to come out and learn about the cars. And I've always called it kind of like a, a museum revving to life because these aren't cars that don't just sit on grass. They're they're out there moving and puffing away and and uh, making a lot of good noise. Well, the thing that I also think that I have to say that you know, having been going to races since the '70s, and it's kind of changed. But the one thing about the Rolex reunion and, and particularly Monterey and the vintage, the whole vintage thing there, is just like you said, these are cars, these race, they're real, the people are real, the stories are real. But you get to walk up and see, feel, touch, and sniff these cars, smell the fuel, just like you did. Back in the day. Now, today in racing, you know, there's too many restrictions. The average guy can't get into the infield hardly, much less get onto the in the hot pits. And and here you are, basically in the hot pits. Yeah, which is pretty cool. There's cars such as, you know, Ferrari 250 GTO, only what I think 33 ever made. Um, you know, on the track. You know, here's a anywhere from 30 to 75 million dollar car you know, out there going through its paces and. Uh, you know, there's nothing to win in these races. It's all for, you know, enjoyment. But they don't just sit back and glide along. They, they're they going at it, especially the uh, the historic Trans Am guys, the, the Barracudas and the, the Challengers, the Mustangs and, and Camaros. They're, they're, they're going hard. And, uh, you know, when you hear them on, you know, scream on by, 
you can feel that guttural V8 roar that um, you just can't get anywhere else. What other uh, events are going on, taking place during the racetrack? I mean, for other people. So, in other words, you've got obviously you've got vendors that are there, and there's probably pl- plenty of places to eat and possibly some entertainment. So, share some of that uh, um, exp- uh, uh, those those opportunities for for let's say the 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 women and the children that may not be total gearheads, but they want to keep busy too. And what what does Laguna Seca have for them? Well, I will personally escort all the all the ladies to the wine tent. Okay, <laughs> beer tent. I'll, I'll I will take that responsibility. I know it's tough, but I will try to do my very best. Okay. Uh, so we have we do have we have vendors in the marketplace of all different kinds of things, and, and like I said, we have a yeah you know, for the kids we have go kart track that we uh, are now have set up. We have the Ferris wheel, bounce house. Um, obviously, a lot of different food options that we're increasing the, the caliber of the food, and uh, uh, just really adding new elements. Haggerty is, is activating a whole area in their area in their in, their, in the paddock as well, and uh, so there's a, just a lot of different things. This year is a tough year, I have to admit. It's you know the, the pandemic hangover. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the, the catering companies don't have as many people, uh, you know, things of that sort, and, and some of the cars could not make it into the country because the, the border is closed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a call two weeks ago from a, a gentleman who has four cars entered, and he said, I have to withdraw my one car, my ERA. Why is that? Well, it's sitting in a crate in Canada and cannot get it across. Oh, jeez. So, you know, it's going to be, you know, we've had a little bit of a fallout, as all the events mm-hmm. are experiencing, but uh, ticket sales and the interest level is running just on track, if not a little bit above now, of what was done in 2019. So it's a very good indication that people want to come out here and and play, see these cars. Because it's really, Monterey Car Week, there really isn't any other place like it. Uh, you know, Goodwood, Goodwood Revival is a phenomenal place. Uh, you know, Monaco is tremendous. But when you get all the auction companies, you get the Pebble Beach Concours, you get the Quail, you get us, uh, you all these different confluence and then all the smaller events that have popped up as well. There's this, if you're into the automotive scene at all, or the lifestyle scene at all, this is the place to go. Oh, there's no question about that. There's no, no, no question about that. The little restaurant up on the top of the hill by the Corkstrew, is that going to be open? That sure will. Okay. English Ales has that up there, and and uh, they have their, their beer that they craft right here in, um, in the Monterey area, and good friends and longtime supporters. And uh, so it, it's uh, a little bit of everything. You know, come out, wide open space, safe, restriction-free from everything. And uh, we will obviously still have the hand sanitizing stations and things of that sort. And I don't think those will ever go away uh, in the future. But, yeah, we, we practice safety first. And certainly with the cars and the drivers, we preach. If you, if you cause an accident or hit somebody and you're found at guilt, you're you're expelled from the event that weekend, and then you're on probation for the following weekend. I mean, the following year, uh, probably not getting back in. Uh, we take it very very seriously. Okay. No, that's uh, hey. These are very valuable cars, very serious cars, and you know it's interesting is because even back in the day. A lot of those cars weren't as safe as the race cars that are out today. So, you know, you want to be very careful with those cars. And besides, it's a piece of rolling history going down the road. You don't want to damage it if you don't have to. It's very true. You know, these, these cars were, when you look at them, the safety features were not really a, 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 <laughs> a concern. Miners or the maker's mind. There's always another race car driver who will drive it with the attitude. 
Um, you know, today's race cars are, are phenomenally safe. And, uh, you know, some of the stuff that you see on, on TV or in person, uh, how they walk away from some of the accidents, it, it's incredible. Not so much true, it can't be said, for these older race cars. They're built for one thing, and that's to go fast. Well, you know, you, you, you made a point there, which is true, because I've, well, I've interviewed a number of race car drivers over the years, and that's exactly what they said. There's plenty of race car drivers waiting to get in these race cars. If that car gets crashed and the driver doesn't make it, there's another race car guy waiting to get behind the wheel. And uh, it was all about uh, fame and glory. Yeah, yeah. Well, Barry, give, if people want to find out more about Laguna Seca or WeatherTech Laguna Seca, or WeatherTech Raceway at Laguna Seca, let me say this right, <laughs> um, how do they go about doing it? And then uh, give us the schedules for uh, next week. Barry, did we lose you? Hello? We lost him. He's still lit. Barry, are you there? Can we hear you? Well, uh, is he there? Nope. All right. Well, anyway, give him a call back. Just get him on the line. We'll just say so we can get a formal bye-bye here. But anyway, yeah, Laguna Seca next week. And I got to tell you guys, I've been going there on and off, I don't know, for years and years and years and years and years. And I've been going to vintage races for years and years and years and years and years and years. And I got to tell you, I mean, racing is fine, you know, but the what racing has become these days is um, spec racing. You know, the cars are pretty similar. And they did that for a reason to kind of keep the cost down and stuff. And uh, but you know, back in the day, GT racing, prototype racing, Can Am racing, uh, Trans Am, there were really very few rules. I mean, it was all about cheat, cheat, hard to beat, and you know, we want to get you uh, across that finish line first, no matter what, at all costs. You know, and I will say that the Trans Am cars were pretty strong, but I would say that some of these other cars, you know, let's say like those GT40s and Lolas and McLarens and stuff, a lot of those cars, even the Porsches, they were flexi flyers. I mean, you watch those cars going down, some old footage of those cars going down the road. And uh, Barry, we got you back? Hello? Sure do. Yeah, we lost you there for a second. Uh, my question was, is if people want to find out about what's going on next week, the schedule and how they go about doing that, could you share that information with us and our listeners? Absolutely, yes. Absolutely. It's weathertechraceway.com online. We have all the ticket information, all the schedules, and everything about the two events, the pre-reunion and the Rolex Monterey Motorsports reunion, and the and rest of our season. We have IMSA and IndyCar coming up in September, so find out all the information you have, and, and uh, we're, we're, we're ready to roll. That sounds like a lot of fun and sounds like just too exciting to miss. So, Barry, I want to thank you very much for hanging out with us here at Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and uh, look forward to seeing you next week. We'll be there. You bet. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Okay. Take care. Thank you. I want to thank Barry Topke from uh, WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna Seca. Of course, me, I just say Laguna Seca. You know, it's kind of like saying Daytona. If they ever go and put a name on Daytona, I don't know. You know, they might do that. They might not do that. But anyway, Tommy, what are you going to fire up? Uh, got a commercial there you want to throw on there for us real quick? Or you want to throw on a record? Uh, yeah, throw throw throw. Well, all right, yeah, let's stick to our schedule because we're going to be jaw jacking here for a little bit. Anyway, um, yeah, vintage racing. Well, this year, now I think I was there. 1997, I think was the last year I saw Barry, or I saw. Uh, oh, hey, look, we got a little BTO on the air here for you, so we'll talk about this in a little bit when we come back. Right, here's a little Bachman Turner Overdrive. 
not fragile. Super band. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Fire that up. That's a great song. Jay Leno, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, it's time to introduce our uh, next special guest for the evening. He's uh, been on our show before. He's an alumni. He's a friend of mine, and he hosts probably the two most spectacular events that take place during the uh, Monterey Collector Car Week. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Gordon McCall. Gordon, how are you? Robert, good, good, good. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to have you back on. It's been uh, almost two years, well, a year and a half, two years now. It's been going on. So everybody's got to be excited now this week, right? We're a week away, less than a week away. Hey, if you're not excited now, you'll never be excited, right? <laughs> That's what they say. That's what they say. So tell us about, let's start with the McCall Motor Works Revival. That is your baby. Yeah, it is, Robert, and it's our 30th anniversary as well. So we're uncorking it this year. We've had really unprecedented uh, response from the aircraft manufacturers. We're going to have more aircraft there than we've ever had. And, of course, we're spreading things out and being mindful of what's going on in the world right now. So we've uh, maneuvered all of our food distribution outdoors. Uh, We've got eight acres of tarmac space with some incredible cars and aircraft and fine dining. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait. When you said uh, spread out, is there what other protocols are you guys have to putting in have to put in place for this event? Uh, right now, we don't have to put any in place because we are an outdoor event of less than uh, five thousand people. Oh, okay. And so we're we're under no you know current county restrictions. Uh, but what we're doing is being mindful of the health and safety of our guests, and so we're uh, you know we're treating it as if we do have mandates uh, upon us, and we just want people to be comfortable. Okay. What's the attendance going to be this year, you think? I mean, is it like usual? It's, I know it's a, it's a limited numbers only, but what usually how many people usually attend the uh, McCall Motor Works Revival? Yeah, so Robert, it's a good question. I capped our head count back in the year 2000. I capped it at 3,000 people back then, mm-hmm. and it has never grown since by design. Okay. Yep. That works. Um, specialty cars that are going to be there, featured cars. Uh, give us a couple of ideas. Yeah, so we've got a great partnership with Ford this year. They're uh, they're really going after their Trans Am history, which is wonderful. Uh, it's it's kind of no mistake that uh, Ford has a wonderful, rich racing history. So we'll see a lot of ra- Ford race cars there, a lot of Ford GT efforts going on. Uh, new ones. I uh, just took delivery of the X Gurney uh, 66 GT40. They just got delivered yesterday for display. A lot of great Ford. Lucid is going to be there. John Hennessy will be there with his new F5. Uh, Alois Roof will be there with his latest creations. Just lots of uh, bespoke vehicles. Gateway Bronco with their electrified uh, 60s-era Bronco, resto mod, essentially. Just really cool stuff. Some great motorcycles as well. And you just never know what you're going to see there. No, that's true. Speaking of motorcycles, how did, did you have a motorcycle gathering this year at the Quail? Uh, we had to cancel. That was in May. So oh, that was May? Cancel that, yeah. So now that's two years we had to cancel. Uh, we're full speed ahead for next year if things uh, settle down here a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, that that show has become really something else. Well, I need to have you on. We need to talk about that, but we always kind of somehow you're you're real busy. But I wanted to kind of go into that a little bit because uh, I know you're a big motorcycle fan, and yep. uh, and you've got a, a kind of a unique collection. In fact, let me just digress for a second. You're also involved with because I saw a video of the motorsports, the Monterey Motorsports Park. Yep. Tell us a little bit about that. In fact, I did not know that you had a '72 Camaro or '70 somewhere a second gen Camaro. You have silver one, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, good good memory there, Robert. I've got a '72 Z28, of which only I think about 2,400 of them were built because of the UAW strike back then. But uh, you know, I never had a muscle car in high school, so I think I'm making up for a little lost time. Uh, it's really a fun car, completely stock except for some Hotchkiss springs to lower it a little bit. Uh-huh. They sat they sat kind of high when they were new. Uh, but the Monterey Motorsport Park was really an interesting project. You know, I'm a partner in this development. That's where I'm speaking to you from right now. Okay. It's, uh, it's about 90,000 square feet, four separate buildings. You own the space you're in. You don't rent. You own it. And we've got everywhere from the CEO from Ford Motor Company to three-time world champion Wayne Rainey as owners out here. And it's just a really amazing setup. Wow. Yeah, we sold out immediately. As soon as, you know, we were about 40% committed when the shutdown hit. And then as soon as that shutdown came, people that could work away from the office decided they wanted a place to get away to. And that's uh, that's what this motorsport park has turned into. Because you can have office space upstairs in the mezzanine and then keep your cars and bikes and such downstairs. So it's really ideal. So how many square feet do you have, basically, and per unit, or is it sizes vary? Yeah, sizes vary. Uh, the front row, which is what I'm in, is they're the largest units. They're about 3,000 square feet or so, and then it just goes in kind of descending order from there. So you can end up, our smallest spaces were about the equivalent of an oversized two-car garage. Okay, and are there any restrictions or anything like that into, as far as the build-outs? You know, in theory-wise, as long as you do it per code, you can do whatever you want. You own it. Okay. You know, um, which is really incredible. You know, you, you can't live in these spaces. We're not zoned for that, but you can trick them out. Uh, every unit was plumbed with, you know, sewer traps and uh, water lines. So if you wanted to build your own restrooms, you know, we have common areas to take care of that. But if you wanted to really trick your space out, sky's the limit. Interesting. Um, and so do a lot of people put second floor mezzanines in there or they mostly just uh, keep it uh, single story? So they all were built with second store mezzanine. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's an integral part of the construction, Robert. So you, you know you don't have a choice; you have to have a second store mezzanine, and people just love them because that's where they put their office. Now, did I see in the video correctly that one gentleman has an elevator and he takes his cars up to the second floor? Was that you guys? Yeah, no, we uh, we've got units with elevators, uh, you know, to be ADA compliant, but uh, there are people with lifts in their spaces the ceilings are really tall in these units uh-huh. you know you could you could put a triple stacker if you wanted to um we've seen a lot of folks put at least a double in there just to kind of increase their storage capacity interesting so where is the relationship to the racetrack and the uh the air park <laughs> it's right on highway 68 right between the two. Oh wow so that works out for uh, everybody there yeah it's pretty awesome i have to admit you know it's uh I guess the downside is we're sold out. Uh, the upside is we're looking for uh, another area to you know to do this again. It was a very successful endeavor. So now this concept seems to be growing. I think the first one I saw was out in, in uh, I think probably Scottsdale, Arizona, something similar to this. Uh-huh. But I think you guys took it to the next level. And is there a clubhouse there too? No, I mean that's the part that we decided to opt out of. And quite frankly, it, it came out of just you know I'm a local here, have been my whole life. 
everybody I know, you know, that's into clubs, it belongs to the clubs they want to be a part of. You know, they don't okay. need another club membership. So what ends up happening, depending on where you are regionally with uh, developments like that, uh, you end up typically paying for space that you don't really use. Okay. You know, the, the, the big common area space. And so now the way we have it here, if you want to throw a party, you throw it in your own space. Okay. Invite all your friends, you know. So it's well, pretty cool. They have one in uh, Florida that they're building now over here in Tampa, and I think it's mm-hmm. called the Motor Enclave, and it's and it uses a racetrack as well, kind of like the one out in um, it was near outside of Las Vegas. There's a big one out there that yeah, does. yeah. So it's really popular, you know, it's it's a really popular, you know, just look at the auction results this past year. You know, no, there's no shortage of people buying cars, and so <laughs> what do you do with them, right? Yeah, you got to put them someplace. Well, now let me ask you this. Okay, so if you um, is so like some of these places actually have a racetrack and are you going to be able to work something out with Laguna Seca? Are they, is Laguna Seca going to allow, is there, can you develop near closer to the racetrack or is, is that uh, kind of like a no, no thing? Well, we don't need to really be any closer to the racetrack than we already are. You know, there's a lot of, uh, just about every day of the week, there's something going on at Laguna Seca, a track rental. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're into club racing or just, you know, running your streetcar on the track, there are no shortage of events that you can sign up for at the track, you know, at Laguna. I mean, we have the distinct advantage of literally being five minutes away from that track. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's almost a racetrack driving up to Laguna Seca, which is a lot of fun in itself. Yeah, it, it sure is. It sure is. Yeah. All right. So tell us about the quail. The quail yeah, now is 18 years, right? Yeah, we're rolling into our 18th year. And, you know, it's kind of amazing about that show, which, uh, as you know, the folks at Peninsula Signature Events just do such an amazing job producing that event. You know, Peninsula Hotels and Quit Lodge and Golf Club, it services their business. And so, you know, everyone there is treated as a valued VIP guest. So here we are 18 years into it, Robert, and that event has not been knocked off. There is no other event of its kind, car-related, that is an all-inclusive ticket that provides you with fine dining throughout the day, served on China with real silverware and glasses and <laughs> not, not, not red cups. Um, it's, it really is unique. Yeah. So give us a kind of like a rundown because there's like different types of foods, different types of, uh, um, I want to say catering companies. Is that pretty much how it is? Or local restaurants that, that bring their, uh, their goods there, so to speak? It's one, it's one catering company, Company oh. Fine Dining, which does the most amazing job. It is a huge undertaking for them. And they just hit all the marks. They have for years now. So we have multiple food pavilions with lots of different offerings, very similar to what you see in the eclectic group of cars that are on display. You know, we don't go down the path of having, you know, 20 of the same type of cars in one place. It's, it's, it's diverse. I think you'd agree, having been there like yes. you have, that it's, you see stuff that you didn't know existed. You see stuff that you expect to see and everything in between. So the uh, I think the Iso Griffo is the featured car at Pebble Beach. What are you going to have as a featured car or featured mark at the Quail this year? Well, we always go down the unique path, you know, and this is out of uh, absolute respect for the Pebble Beach Concours and what it represents. Mm-hmm. You know, as you know, there's no, there's no judging at the Quail. Right. There's awards at the Quail, but there's no judging. We let, that, uh, we let Pebble Beach do that work. You know, that's if you want your car judged by panel of experts, you, you know, you, you take it there to have that done. Our show is kind of about fun. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the cars are serious. Uh, they're judged by the entrance. You know, you just cast a vote for the car that you subjectively like. You know, it's really kind of a neat way to do it. It takes the pressure off. Mm-hmm. That, so, way, that way it's 
it's more of the social get together. You know, it's more about having a fun day than it is about worrying about being told what's wrong with your car. Is it kind of like along the lines of people's choice? Um, well, yeah, we don't. The, the guests aren't voting. The owners of the cars are. So okay. Similar. Yeah, similar. But what we do is we have our traditional classes every year. We've got a pre-war sports car class. We've got post-war, which is really always a huge class because there's so many great post-war sports cars. Uh, we've got, we were one of the few Concours, actually. And, you know, technically we're not a Concours, but we're one of the few shows that incorporated uh, supercars from day one. And you look at the popularity of these things today, I think we were onto something back then. So the supercar category is big at our event. And, uh, you know, that goes right into we've got post-war race cars. We've got a motorcycle category. We've always featured motorcycles at that show, which is a lot of fun. And every year we have kind of breakout featured groups. You know, we don't typically honor manufacturers per se. Again, we let other shows do that. But we have uh, kind of whimsical groups. You know, it's the 50th anniversary of the Alfa Romeo Montreal, as an example. Mm -hmm. We're featuring those. Um, It's 50th anniversary of the Citroën SM. Oh, yes. You know, those cars are starting to get recognized today. And so instead of just keeping it focused on the SM, we're kind of doing a complete French couture nod. Um, there's some really wild cars that have come out of France. Oh, yes. A whole group of them. And, and then we decided to really get whimsical, and we're having a category called Cars of Curiosity. And I think we'd all agree that there are some really strange, maybe a little off-center cars out there. They were strange <laughs> when they were new, you know? And it's going to be fun to have a category of those. And I'm talking, I mean, you know, everything from Myers-Banks to DeLoreans to, you know, cars to Lamborghini Uraco as an example. You know, when you bought a brand-new Lamborghini Uraco, you knew you were buying an odd car. Yes. You yeah, <laughs> just did. You know, it's, it's not a Mira. It's not a Maserati Bora. It's like, oh, what is that? But, you know, huge loyal following. And they're really cool cars. They've just, they're a little off-center. And so we're going to have a whole group of those, which will be fun. Well, it's funny you mentioned supercars, because I can recall one year you had an amazing Pagani display. You had a whole bunch of Bugatti Veyrons, but then my yep. favorite was the Lamborghini Muras. I don't think I've ever uh, seen more Muras in one location than the Quail. Yeah, that was pretty spectacular. And, you know, this year we do have a—we've uh, we're got a nod to the Lamborghini Countach in that anniversary, so the Countach Club is joining us. We're going to have a lot of Lamborghini Countaches there as well. So it's all coming together with the— uh, with the incredible direction and guidance of the Peninsula Signature Events office that's full-time at Quail Lodge under the direction of Courtney Ferranti. She does an amazing job and has an incredible crew. Uh, you know which car, I'm not sure if it got overlooked, but it's, is it, am I correct, is it the 50th anniversary of the Pantera as well? Oh, it could be. It, that may have been last year. This is the problem with these anniversaries in last year. Things got kind of out. Oh, yeah. You know, um, but yeah, you know that's funny. The Panteras are, are interesting cars. They've um, they, they finally have kind of jumped in value a little bit the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I think you'd agree. For the longest time, it's kind of like the T-Birds of the '50s, is they were just kind of stuck, in, not, in, not stuck, but just they kind of were what they were, you know. And now people are starting to recognize them. Those were cool cars sold through Mercury, uh, Lincoln Mercury dealers. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you know, know? An, another car that was kind of oddball back in the day, you're talking about obscure cars, but it was kind of cool, was the Bizzarini. You know, it was kind of looked a little bit oh, like right. a squashed-down Iso Griffo, 
and there is a connection there, but, you know, because yep. the, the, the V8 thing. But, uh, in fact, I was watching a video earlier today with uh, Jay Leno, and he was talking about a, a Bizzarina, and you had one there at your uh, event a number of years ago. There was one there, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. No, we've had three there, so, yeah, they're rare. They're uh, amazing cars. Now, I'll tell you one car that I always thought was really cool, and that's your buddy uh, Jim Busby's yellow Ferrari. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I still can't get over that car. I just thought that that 400 was really neat. Yeah, what he did to that car, I mean, he essentially made a 400 into a GTO. You know, that was his goal. Uh, he also was recovering from surgery, and the whole idea, uh, and this is according to Jim, came from perhaps induced by some painkillers, the idea of taking a 400 and turning it into just the wildest beast ever, and he did it. Oh, boy, did he do it. Does he still have that car? He does, Yeah. Yeah, that was at uh, uh, that was at both the Quail and I saw it at uh, at the Motorworks Revival too that year. That was a pretty impressive thing. I thought it was neat. That that car sounded so good. It's just amazing. Yeah, and Buzz is a great guy. Have you added anything to your collection lately? Uh, you know, a couple bikes here and there. You know, motorcycles are so much easier than cars. They just take up so much less space. <laughs> you know. But, is it? Uh, no, I'm. I'm kind of content with what I've got, and just my eyes are always peeled, but. Uh, I'm I'm doing okay. Thanks. Now, what's the connection with? Uh, we got a few minutes yet. The the quail and Bonhams, are they? They just happen to share the same property because Bonhams auction is right around, right down the road there on the right. Just when you come in, so is there a, a connection between the quail event and and Bonhams at all? Or well, there actually is. And you know, it's funny going back to 18 years ago. Um, I was running the car department for Christie's at the time, and I called my friend Simon. Kidston, who was running Bonhams at the time, and said, you know, why don't you guys join our show on Friday? Because in the old days, when the Concorso used to take place at Quail Lodge, they wouldn't let Bonhams run on the same day. Bonhams was Saturday. So I, I called and said, hey, why don't you guys join our show? We can promote each other and, you know, we'll all benefit from it. And he was like, but wait a minute, you're the Christie's guy. What? <laughs> <laughs> And I said, you know, Simon, there's plenty of business for all of us to do. I think it's the right thing to do. And so they joined us year one, and they've been with us ever since. They're our longest partner, along with Bentley. They got some pretty interesting cars going through this year, too. They got... Uh, yeah, they do. I think uh, Tom Shaughnessy's GT40 is going through there, maybe? Is that his car, the white one? Uh, that's his son's car now, I believe. Okay. I saw that on the... Uh, the Mark Seven. Yeah, the Mark Seven, right. Yep. The white one with blue stripes. Yeah, no, they've got some really good cars. And, you know, we ended up, because Bonhams used to be literally across the street from us, where we have the, the show at Quail, mm -hmm. and it started getting, as the Quail got more popular, it started getting to be a little bit of a logistical mess with Bonhams across the street, and people would show up with a catalog and just assume that that got them into the show, and it just got a little confusing. So we came up with this idea of, hey, why don't you just move down the street and take our farm field, and you can do your own thing down there, still connected to the show, but you got a little room around you now, and it's just been really successful. They're a great partner. Super. All right, so, uh, Gordon, if people want to find out more about the quail, how do they go about doing it? And then you're, that's limited to 3,000 people as well, right? Well, a little bit more than that, but uh, the event is it's officially sold out. Okay. So um, it's still fun to talk about, but it is a sold-out event this year, which is uh, tremendous. You know, we had a lot of rollovers from 2020. Uh, Quailevents.com is a great website to go check out the show and see what it's all about. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a fun one. I'm looking forward to it. Well, super. Well, uh, Gordon, I want to thank you very much for hanging out with us here at Nostalgic Radio and Cars, as always, and uh, look forward to seeing you and hanging out with you guys next week in Monterey. 
Always my pleasure, Robert. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. I want to thank my special guest, Gordon McCall, founder of the McCall Motorworks Revival and really the Quail Motorsports Gathering. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgia Getting Cars. We will be back next week, as usual. But we're going to be doing a show live from Monterey next week because uh, on Tuesday, and the way this thing works, is the uh, Concourse on the Ave, which is an open event. It was basically downtown Ocean Avenue on on uh, in downtown Carmel, probably one of my favorite little cities in the world. Of course, I'm a native Californian, so you can take the kid out of California, but you can't take California out of the kid, as they say. And uh, so uh, we will be out there hobnobbing with all our friends. And, I mean, the cars are just absolutely incredible. I mean, this whole, you talk about an onslaught of cool, classic, collector, contemporary, supercars, specialty cars, you name it. They're all running around. If you ever get a chance, you need to put this on your calendar. And you need to go to the Monterey Collector Car Week. It's like Amelia Island. Amelia Island's the same way. That's our little version of it here in uh, nestled in uh, northern uh, Florida there up around Jacksonville. But Monterey Collector Car Week. Week, just south of San Francisco, about an hour and a half. Flying to San Francisco, flying to San Jose, flying to Oakland. I mean, it's just an incredible event. Hey, guys, I uh, hope to see some of the car shows. And um, we'll talk a little bit more about that little uh, gasser here in the next upcoming couple of weeks. Don't forget, in October, it will be Rocktober. We've got some musical guests coming on, some pretty cool guys. So in the meantime, I want to see you guys at some of the car shows. Stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.